This is The Other 51, conversations with writers of all genres about writing. I'm Brian Moritz. Today's episode is the most popular one from 2017, and it's one of my favorites. My conversation with Bob Crawford of the Ava Brothers. Bob Crawford, welcome to The Other 51. Thanks so much for joining me today. Brian, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Um, I'm not going to be able to play this cool. Um, as anybody who knows me and listens to me knows how uh, how much your band, the Avett Brothers, means to our family, how many times we've seen you guys live. So um, I'll just get that out of the way right away. This is this is this is super cool. This is a big thrill for me to be able to have you on the podcast. Well, Brian, uh, it's an honor to be here with you, and I am honored by everything that you and your family do to support the band, to support the road to now, and especially to support St. Jude. And um, the situation Hallie's been in and your family's just been there for us 100% and our family just loves you for that. And, and I'm honored to, to do this with you today and, and to be, be with you here. And, and I appreciate, uh, you know, all the work that, that you do on your podcast as well. So, so just let's get that, that out of the way. <laughs> uh, how is Hallie doing? She's doing okay. Uh, we are up against a checkup. Her six-month MRI is a week from today. All right. So today is uh, Wednesday the 20th. So the 27th, uh, she'll go to St. Jude, and we'll find out what's, uh, what's, what's, what's really going on. As far as everything we can see, she seems good. She doesn't sleep very well, but uh, that does not um, seem to have any effect on her, her, uh, her, uh, her attitude and her, her joy. And uh, just being a sweet girl, so uh, so you know, she she seems pretty good. We we've, we've been in worse situations with her for sure. Yeah, and uh, my daughter, we took her to see May at Last last week, and she wanted me to tell you she thought Haley sounded really good and really cute. So, oh well, thank you very much. I'll pass that on to. Her. We've been talking about on, on the podcast about St. Jude for the last two weeks and about the fundraising efforts that I'm a part of. Um, is one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on today. As uh, for anybody who might not know your connection to St. Jude and your St. Jude story, if you could talk about that and how you and your family got involved with uh, not only going to St. Jude but with uh, kind of fundraising and awareness efforts. Yeah, so our daughter was uh, normally developing. 22 month old uh she was talking she was running around she just seemed really smart um and uh everything seemed to be going perfectly and uh, i was away on tour in europe i was coming home on a plane from germany uh we landed in charlotte and i i got i called my wife first thing as soon as we could you know use our cell phones and she told me that how he had uh something had really bad had happened um that she was at the hospital with Hallie, that uh, something in her head, it was a brain, like seemed like it might have been a brain tumor. It was just really, really bad, um, you know, and it, it kind of came out of left field. Like, that was the last thing we ever expected was for her to have a brain tumor. Um, we, we donated money to St. Jude on a monthly basis just because we had been... Um, drawn into the those poor kids who got sick you know the stories of those kids who got sick we never expected that we would have one of those children um and so i think it was she she you know, she went to get her that morning and she was having a seizure in her crib and um uh 
you know, just amazing that my wife dealt with all that by herself in that moment with the two-month-old son. You know, also, she managed to get Hallie out of her crib, get her downstairs. She called 911. She just knew, immediately knew something terrible was happening. Hallie was not conscious. Uh, rode in the ambulance, got to the hospital. Hallie was taken back. She managed to get our tour manager, Doc Ramsur, to, uh, to meet me at the airport, knowing in advance that what, uh, how, how shocking this was going to be for me and that I would go into a state of shock, which I pretty much did. Um, Scott David was sitting next to me on the plane. I, I explained as best I could when I got off the phone with my wife and he literally, uh, as you would, almost as you would, uh, uh, escort an old, old woman or old man across the, the street, uh, you know, across a busy, a busy uh, street. He, he got me through customs and, and, uh, just without thinking about it, got in the car with Dolph and I and drove two and a half hours to Chapel Hill. And, um, so it, it turned out, uh, well, how I got there, Hallie was in brain surgery. It turned out that, that she did have what was a tumor and it was a quarter of the size of her brain. Uh, it had been given room to grow because a uh, child's, uh, our skulls don't fuse together until we're about two years old. So this tumor was maybe growing in her head since birth and it had, it had free reign, basically. It had free reign. And then once her skull began to fuse together, that's when the pressure in her, in her brain built to a level and then she had the seizures and the strokes. Long story short, I got there. You know, we were both in complete shock. Uh, after the surgery, the surgeon called us back. He told us that it, it seemed like a, a, a brain tumor and cancer. And um, he had to take out most of the right side of her brain with it. He felt like he had, the first time in, got 90% of the tumor. And there we were. You know, we were, uh, that night we slept. That night and for most of the next six weeks, we slept at the hospital. And... Um, our lives were completely turned upside down. So, so, uh, long story short, um, UNC Chapel Hill, where she was being treated, didn't really have, um, anything that could help her. Uh, we had, uh, we had one protocol that we were going to try with her that was actually based out of Jacksonville, Florida. It was a, a proton radiation protocol. And, but then we sent away to St. Jude. And Boston Chota, Dana Farmer up there in Boston, and they both came back that it wasn't the initial diagnosis. UNC said it was an ependymoma. Dana Farber and St. Jude said it was an astrocytoma glioma. UNC deferred to that, to those institutions, and they said if it is in fact what they say it is, proton radiation will not help her, and there's nothing we can really do to save her. So we went to St. Jude basically because we were out of, we weren't be we, we were out of hope. We needed hope and we needed somewhere to go. And we didn't even really know what St. Jude offered, but we literally went there, uh, out of faith. Uh, you know, just kind of, uh, it was, it was a kind of a spiritual decision more than a, a, um, a medical decision. It was just kind of like, you know, we got a, I got the mail. We were, we were at this uh, rehab facility in Charlotte at this point, and, uh, I got our mail, 
that morning. It was a Saturday morning. The Friday before, we found out about Hallie's uh, second diagnosis, um, and we were told by UNC that that there was no hope. And and we uh, from one of I'm from a Catholic family in, in Southern New Jersey, and one of my aunts sent a Saint Jude prayer card. Hmm. Prayer card, and my wife looked up up at me with tears in her eyes and said, "I want to go to Saint Jude." And there, and there was, and so we uh, we found a way. We, by the next Wednesday, we were literally pulling up to St. Jude to the front door. Uh, a tour bus company donated a bus. A driver donated his time, and he drove us from Charlotte, North Carolina, to Memphis, Tennessee. He literally, dropped us off at the front door of St. Jude, wow. and there we were. So, uh, so we got there. We we. We met Hallie's, who would become Hallie's oncologist, and she said, there's hope. We're going to cure this thing. She'll go to kindergarten. And it was just this amazing moment. It was the, after six weeks of complete, um, the, the, the floor being kind of taken out, pulled out from under us as a family, um, and uh, just complete upheaval in our lives. And really, we went from, Thinking that we had to say goodbye to our daughter to, uh, to, you know, have, we got a lifeline, basically. St. Jude gave us a lifeline. And, and that is, you know, and it wasn't an easy ride, as it never is. And, and the cancer would come back. Like, so she did a year of, uh, chemotherapy through St. Jude. And five months after she finished, uh, the cancer came back. And then she did another surgery in Memphis, uh, at Labana Hospital, which is a, a great, a great partner to St. Jude. And um, then she did six weeks of radiation in St. Jude. So, I mean, we arrived at St. Jude in October of 2011, and we were raising money for them by November. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so it just, uh, that becomes, Brian, I think it's this thing where as parents, we, the first and foremost is to keep your child safe, mm-hmm. is to protect them, is to, uh, Allow them the environment where they grow as healthy as possible, that they're taught right and wrong. Uh, but really, it's keeping them safe. That's our, that's the bare minimum as a parent is your job is to keep them alive. And once that control has been taken from you, you know, we were no longer in control of our ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we were no longer in control of being able to keep her alive. It wasn't up to us anymore. And so once that happens, you just kind of like, what can I do to A, improve her odds of survival, B, save other families from having to go through what, what we've gone through. And that's what fundraising is. And that's what raising money for St. Jude or now we're involved with the Press On Fund. Right. Which is a, a, a group of who've all touched by cancer. Uh, Hallie, of course, I just told her story, but the, the founders of Press On Fund were the Chance family who lost their son Patrick at nine years old to neuro- recurring neuroblastoma, and then the Simpkins family, whose son Brennan uh, had an adult form of leukemia, and he Brennan currently holds the record for the most stem cell transplant at St. Jude's. <laughs> so he's doing great. He's he's like five years out, and just uh, he's just he's like fourteen years old, and just he's just a great kid, and, and just he's just doing great. So these, a lot of families, they start a fund or a foundation when their child is sick. Mm-hmm. And it's great, it's great that they do that. But what if 
we came together. Couldn't we be stronger together? And that's the whole the whole philosophy behind Press On. And what so what Press On is doing is we are funding a brain tumor protocol for uh, for Halley's oncologist at St. Jude that will enroll probably any day now. It will start to enroll. Essentially, the Press On fund works hand in hand with St. Jude, mm-hmm. and uh, it's funding. If you're a doctor at St. Jude or a researcher. And you have an idea for a protocol that could save lives. Well, you're not the only one, right? Mm-hmm. So you're competing for those dollars just like all the other researchers are. Mm-hmm. So it's not like St. Jude just gives everybody, all the researchers and all the doctors, all the money they could possibly need to do what they want. Right. No, there's, uh, there's politics to it. Mm-hmm. So press on. We see a doctor who's doing something or a researcher who's doing something at any institution. That looks promising. Maybe it's outside the box. Maybe it's not something that's receiving uh, a lot of uh, traditional funds because it is a, a kind of a, hey, this this could be a crazy idea, but it just might work kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll run that by our medical advisory board. Press on is driven by the parents. It's a it's a it's a organization, and parents are driving the. We're driving the 18, the, the, the 18 wheeler, the, the semi <laughs> truck driving, going down the highway. We're at the steering wheel. We're not, you know, as being a parent of a, of a child with cancer, you often feel like you're in the back seat. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? This empowers us to make sense. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a tremendous blessing. Blessing. Um, and, and that's wonderful. And, um, I'll, I have information for press on in the show notes for this episode. And you talk about raising money. And I've mentioned this on the podcast the last few weeks. Um, to donate to our team, my family's team, you can go to bit.ly, bit.ly slash St. Jude 51. All spelled out. Right now, our goal is a thousand dollars. We've raised 841. So we're hoping to get that last push. And we are a part of a team of AVET fans, AVET Nation. And um, looking at this right now, as we're recording this to date, we as a team, we've raised $45,660. And every penny of it's going right to St. Jude. So um, if you're able yeah. to give, again, the link will be in show notes, bit.ly dot, uh, bit. slash St. Jude 51. Um, yeah, let me say, Brian, my gratitude for David Nation and all you guys. It is just, it has blown me away. Like it's blown my wife, my whole family, and and our our, our whole band and our management. And what, I see that number just go up and go up, and it just they're just strong words. I mean, it's just it's like uh, it's almost like I feel like Hallie's story was kind of the call to action. But then what you guys have done answering that call reinforces for me and for my family, kind of like uh, reignites that call inside of us and kind of keeps us going and makes us want to see you guys work so hard. So got to thank everybody out there who's, who's kind of given their money and their time to this. It's just, uh, it is truly overwhelming. Um, and I'll speak for on behalf of everyone. I mean, it's the least we can do, and it's our pleasure to help out in any way that we can. Um, I did want to have you, t- did want to ask you a few questions about songwriting because you're the first musician that I've interviewed on this podcast. And so I'm wondering if you could kind of describe your, you know, whether you're writing your own songs or as part of the Avett Brothers, kind of like 
how does songwriting work for you? What's your songwriting process like? Well, I'm probably the uh, the first, but the worst uh, musician you've ever had on the show, <laughs> uh, and uh, definitely the worst uh, songwriter. But um, you know, after Hallie got sick, it kind of personally took that songwriting steam out of me, and it was kind of a. Uh, and I don't know if this is a. Uh, you know, I just kind of lost. There, there were bigger things like uh, not meaning, not denigrating this at all. I'm just saying, like for me personally, the I took this, I went on this, was placed on this spiritual journey, and I began to. Um, I just lost it. I just said, like, what do I have to say at this point? What do I have? To, I have one story to tell. I wrote one, I've written one song since Charlie got sick and it's six years now. And it's a song that, um, it's a, it's a psalm. Essentially, it's a song. And it's, uh, uh you know, it's great. It's, I mean, I mean, I love it. And I actually handed it off, handed it off to a friend of mine who's a gospel musician. Um, but what I've learned about writing in general and songwriting and, uh, even studying history or uh, uh, studying theology, it's uh, it's just basically where do you put your time? Mm-hmm. And if you spend enough time on anything, it's going to get great. It's going to become good. You know, like write, you know, you're going to write a hundred. If you write a hundred songs, maybe you'll have five. If you left with five, really good ones. And and that's I would say that for. What anyone is focusing on in their lives, where where anyone wants who who's seeking improvement or or um, seeking a, a trade or a or a, an artistic outlet, it's just that time. It's just enjoying it and just kind of a, absorbing yourself in it. The more absorbed you become in it, the better you're going to get at it. And with that, I'd say it's important to let yourself go. You know, like let yourself make a lot of mistakes. Let yourself like, don't write a bad, don't write a song and be like, man, this song sucks. <laughs> and then don't let yourself get away with that. Um, and just keep at it and don't be discouraged is, is I guess, what the, uh, what, what the best advice for anyone could do. Right. So did the, uh, the part of good to you that you sing, did you write that part or was that, uh, one of the brothers? I did. I did. Okay. And that was before I got sick. Oh, really? Oh, wow. And, it, and that was a matter of, um, uh, that had been around for a very long time in the band. It had been around for seven years. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just wasn't, Scott would say this, we haven't lived this yet to finish it. And, uh, I just kind of thought about, um, families I had known and been close to where there was a, a breach between the parent and the child. And, uh, you know, I didn't come from a family of divorce, uh, but I've seen a whole lot of it really close to me. And, and this, this, this reconciliation that sometimes never happens. Um, you know, people get divorced and then they start new families. And it seems like often the new family takes priority and then the children, the, the children, you know, it's funny. A father can have children from two marriages. But children only have one father. And that was kind of where that was coming from. And I'd seen that around a lot. 
was kind of surrounded by that. And that's, that's what, that's what I wrote about. And then I had just had Howard. Okay. And so I was thinking, you know, I was over the moon in love with my daughter and I couldn't imagine ever there being a breach between us. And so I'm like, well, then how do you go from being madly in love? Like, you know, when you have a child, your heart, uh, and, and someone told me this before I was born, you'll be amazed at how big your heart can grow. That's kind of thing. Like your heart, you have a child and your heart expands to, to love this, expands to accomplish the more people you love, the bigger your heart gets, I guess is what I'm saying. And so I had been this like absolutely just, just so my heart grew so much when my daughter was born that, that I couldn't imagine ever ever letting that happen between myself and her or my son and, and then but yet seeing it around it obviously happens all the time and it's so interesting as a fan that that song comes out on an album after Hallie's diagnosis and so it becomes yeah. interpreted you know right. in, in a very yeah. different way um well, we, I know we could probably have a whole podcast talking about history. You do have a whole podcast talking about sure, history. Yes. But, but if this, yes. since this is kind of Hamilton titled and, and themed a little bit, um, I asked your co-host, Ben Sawyer, this question. So who's your favorite founding father? Yeah. Well, um, I like John Witherspoon because, well, he's not as well known, obviously. He signed the Declaration of He's from New Jersey. We're out from New Jersey. He was the uh, the head of what became Princeton University. Um, and he's the only. It's so funny. And this is an area of study that I'm real obsessed with. This question comes up all the time, and it's this argument: uh, Is America was America founded as a Christian nation, mm-hmm. right? And what I've learned is. Yeah, no. <laughs> and, uh, you know, people say, we need to get back to our Christian roots. And I am a Christian. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm a real, like, I, if somebody says to me I'm a Christian, I believe in, and, but I feel like if you question, okay, seriously, I'm trying to, I feel like if you question that statement that, like, America was founded as a Christian nation, if you question that, you are, people will challenge your, your faith or what you believe. But I really, uh, answering that has been for myself and studying and, and studying that for a couple of years. It's something that really interests me because yeah, it's, uh, yeah, and no, it's the only clergyman who signed the Declaration of Independence. Hmm. So we're kind of nation, but there's only one clergyman who signed the Declaration. Declaration of Independence, and interesting, he he taught James Madison, mm-hmm. and he he taught a few of the founding fathers, and so he and he was greatly he he really inspired Alexander Hamilton. You think it was Hamilton and Madison's ideas that that shaped that helped to shape the Constitution. Well, I think that Witherspoon had a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. So in that Scottish Enlightenment, mm-hmm. you know. So, so, uh, so he's someone who, uh, there hasn't been enough scholarship done on and he really fascinates me. I went to the Richard Stockton College of New Jersey, or as we like to say, Stockton University these <laughs> days. And, uh, Richard Stockton was also a signer of the Declaration of Independence. 
and he uh, he was one of the first founding fathers to be arrested shortly after signing it. Neat. And he spent war on a uh, on a on a, a frigate prison, you know, a British prison off the coast of New Jersey. Uh, and he was very sick, and he died about the end of the time, maybe before the end of the war, he died. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but then there's, you know, you can't, you cannot under, under, uh, or you can't, you know, I think Madison and Hamilton are essential, mm-hmm. really, if you think about the nation and, and what happened after the, the actual revolution, um, the founding, uh, conscience of the nation, uh, you know, and, and then if you think about Patrick Henry and that, sure. that the, the battle between the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists, which we face today, we mm-hmm. fight that battle still, I think that that needs to be, uh, we always need to learn that. Right. I think if we, if we were taught more of this in school from the word go, from as soon as we started school, I think that we would be able to at least we would still have this federalist, anti-federalist, uh, or as we see it these days, urban-rural split. Mm-hmm. We would still have this, but I think it would be we would be able to have it, have that argument, have this discussion in, in more of a in integrated context, right? Right. So it would be maybe less harmful, but it's always been pretty harmful, mm-hmm. pretty dangerous. Democracy is always in crisis. Mm-hmm. John Witherspoon, you went off the board on that. That was good. Mine's Madison. I've always been a James Madison guy myself. So, um, no, you couldn't do. And right. you know what's great about Madison is his collaboration with Hamilton. Right. But yet, yet immediately seeing the 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 dangers of a of a federal government and a federal tre- treasury um, that is uh, kind of like this beat the feeding the beast. Right. It's like feeding this beast that's never full. It's always hungry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jefferson and Madison were were definitely skeptical of that. So one last question, because I know you got to go, but um, I ask all my guests this: What's the best thing you've read lately? Well, lately, best thing I've read. Uh, I'm reading Thomas Merton's The Seven Story Mountain. Oh, which is kind of uh, yeah. That's a special. That's a special book. I went to St. Bonaventure, where he taught and where he went and and lived and. Yeah, Merton's a special guy in my reading and in my kind of faith journey, and that book is splendid. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's like I've uh, studied St. Augustine on and off over the years, and I've never read the old confessions, but, but I look at Merton's that Seven Story Mountain as like kind of a like the confessions, but in the 20th century. And, right. And so I will read after uh, I finish this, I'm going to go and I'm going to. Read the confession. <laughs> the whole thing, cover to cover. Uh, well, again, the link to donate if you're interested to St. Jude is bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash St. Jude 51. Bob, thank you so much for joining me today. Really appreciate it. It's been my honor. And Brian, thank you for all that you do for us. As always, thanks for listening to The Other 51. You can find show notes for this episode and all our episodes at sportsmediaguide.com on The Other 51 tab. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. I can highly recommend Overcast for this. Our theme music is by Ellie Moritz. 